Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Since 2003, StoryCorps has collected and archived more than 50,000 interviews with over 100,000 participants. Each conversation is recorded on a CD. It's preserved at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. StoryCorps is one of the largest oral history projects of its kind. And, of course, you probably tune in Fridays on Morning Edition to hear the latest uh, great StoryCorps story. Well, as you've been hearing here on Utah Public Radio, uh, StoryCorps is coming to Vernal. And uh, we hope to have you come and record your story there. Um, And we're going to celebrate that today on the first day of registration for uh, that event. On Access Utah today, we're going to hear a story of a, a Logan woman. Uh, about a German POW who worked on her father's farm during World War II, a Salt Lake City woman who tells her daughter about uh, going off to war in Iraq. We'll hear some stories from the last time StoryCorps was in Utah, in St. George. And we welcome in uh, David Isay, founder of StoryCorps. Welcome back to the program. Tom, it's great to talk to you again. And uh, Emily Jansen, who's a mobile booth manager for StoryCorps. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. So, David, I say, what? Uh, how does this begin? I've asked you that before, but for people who are, are a little bit familiar or not familiar at all with StoryCorps, what was the idea? Sure. Um, so, StoryCorps is almost a dozen years old now, and it's great to be on. The- Hi, Emily. It's great to hear your voice. Um, Good morning, Dave. And uh, we, we, we launched in Grand Central Terminal. It's a very simple idea. We, I used to make radio documentaries for public radio, and I did, um, and I saw that when I did interviews with people, that um, especially I did a lot of um, documentaries kind of in, in hard-to-access places, um, uh, social justice sort of documentaries in prisons and homeless shelters. And I saw that when people were um, interviewed, that, that many times they hadn't been asked these questions before, and it was it was... Uh, it was it was an important moment, sometimes a transformative moment, to sit down with folks who felt like maybe their lives didn't matter, and say, "Who are you? What have you learned in life?" And uh, wanted to try this crazy experiment where um, we would, you know, the purpose of doing documentary work has has been about, you know, you do interviews to create a work of art or entertainment that's heard by a lot of people. And what I wanted to do was kind of try something different and say that the purpose isn't the final product, but giving people the chance to be listened to. So started this crazy thing in Grand Central where we opened a booth where you can bring anyone who you want to honor by listening to their story, a parent, grandparent, friend, child, neighbor, even someone you don't know. And you come to the booth and you're met by a facilitator. Um, Emily was a facilitator for many years. Uh, and they bring you into the booth and you sit across from, say, your grandmother for 40 minutes and you listen and you talk. And, you know, one of the things I had learned making radio documentaries is that the microphone gives you the license to talk about things and ask questions and say things you don't normally get to say. Um, so at the end of, of 40 minutes of a, usually what's a very important conversation, um, you, as you said, you know, the, the family keeps a digital copy of the interview and another one goes to the Library of Congress. So your great, 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 great grandchildren can get to know your grandmother through her voice and story. So it's really, uh, and you know, it started in Grand Central, as you said, we've done about, uh, I think it's 50, 60,000 interviews now. It's the largest collection of human voices ever gathered. And, um, you know, for me, having done this for, for a dozen years, I mean, it's really been remarkable to see because, you know, we've done so many of these interviews and StoryCorps has become so popular. And I encourage people really to make that reservation today because these interviews sell out very, very, very quickly. 
um, uh, and, um, and, and, and do this uh, because, you know, we've done 60,000 interviews and seeing kind of the, you know, the real, I don't, you know, it's not, it's not a cliche because it's true. I mean, every, I had fears when we started StoryCorps about all kinds of strange things happening in this booth because you open up a booth and you let people come in and have these conversations. And I had fears of like Jerry Springer moments of people shooting <laughs> each other. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 60, 65,000 interviews, every single one of these has been treated with respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes me so hopeful to hear what's, what's been happening and what continues to happen in the StoryCorps booth. I was saying to someone yesterday that I've heard so many versions of this, people coming up to me and saying, you know, if only one thing, there's some variation of like, if, if we could only send like one record of who we are as people to another, you know, planet, to other, you know, that I would hope it would be StoryCorps, or if something happened to the earth, like I just hope that it would be the StoryCorps stories that survive, because mm-hmm. I think it speaks to, to who we are really as, 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 as people and uh, how we connect to other people. And, you know, it's a very, very simple idea that, um, that I think has enormous potential to, you know, to connect people and remind us of the beauty and the power and the grace of the voices of the people that are all around us and the stories all around us when we take the time to listen. It's the opposite of reality TV. No mm-hmm. one comes to StoryCorps to get rich. No one comes to get famous. It's about, it's about generosity and love. One of the, uh, might even be titled one of your books, I, I forget, but it's a slogan, um, especially connected with the National Day of Listening, which you promote as well. Listening is an act of love. That's something yep. you, you say. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, it's, I think that sitting with um, a parent or a grandparent or a friend and saying, you know, what I said earlier, who are you? What have you learned in life? How do you want to be remembered? And using the formality of the StoryCorps interview to tell them how much they mean to you, which, again, is just something that doesn't, at least not for me, you know, it's not easy to do that around the dinner table. It just doesn't happen in the normal course of life is a really profound way to connect to someone else and tell them how much they mean to you. You know, I, I think of, um, you know, we live in, 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 uh, at a time when so much of our communication is kind of fleeting and, and, and kind of meaningless, you know. And, and StoryCorps is really about kind of timeless, deeply, deeply meaningful communication. And it is a, it is a way to, to um, connect us to the people that matter to us and remind us. You know, what I like to think about these StoryCorps stories that air every week on NPR, what we're trying to do is kind of shake people on the shoulder with these little kind of poems of, of, of wisdom that come out of the booth, you know, and remind them, you know, this remind listeners, like, this is what's important. And I think in a, in a, in a much more um, kind of focused way, that's what happens in the booth every time people come in. You know, I, every year um, I do one or two StoryCorps interviews with um, usually with someone who's leaving StoryCorps after a decade or, you know, nine years, eight years. And always on those days, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, I'm so busy, I'm so tired, I don't want to do this. And I always say that, and then I get into the booth, and it's like time stops. You know, and you never regret doing these interviews. I did an interview with my dad a bunch of years ago, and uh, never, you know, and it was a fine interview. I didn't really think about it again until he died very suddenly. He was working full-time. He was diagnosed with cancer and dead five, five days later. And as I listened to that interview for the first time on, at 3 in the morning on the day that he died, I have two little kids at home knowing that this was the only way that those two kids were going to get to know this man who was so important to me. You know, that's when the rubber hit the road. I thought I couldn't believe in StoryCorps any more deeply than I did, but then I fully kind of understood the importance of doing these interviews and, and, and not waiting and taking the time to tell the people who matter to you what, you mean, what they mean to you. 
um, and making sure that you've you know got a record of them so that uh, of of who they are because the you know as you know Tom is a radio person it's like the soul is kind of contained in the human voice mm-hmm. and to have this record of who this who this person is um, for me my dad who is such a you know towering figure in my my life um, is just it's just priceless. Emily Jansen, I wonder, uh, I'm curious, what, what happens to people when they go into that booth? Seems like something happens there. And, and you know, they were saying he was worried about Jerry Springer moments. There, none of those. People seem to take this very seriously. Yeah, you know, I think um, when you walk into a StoryCorps booth, into that recording space, um, and when we come to Vernal, where that recording space is in the back of this beautiful Airstream trailer, um, But we really work to make that a very comfortable space and a safe space. Um, It feels kind of just, you are just sitting across the table from someone, but as Dave said, a microphone is there. And at first, that can be pretty nerve-wracking. But the beauty of the StoryCorps interview is that it's not formal. We're not um, live on the radio. We're not doing a presentation. It really is just intentionally sitting down and having that conversation. Um, and one of the first things that your facilitator, the story core staff person who's there with you witnessing your conversation and walking you through the process, one of the first things we'll ask you to do is to turn your cell phone off. So that's kind of one of the key things that does happen that makes it this moment because we so rarely in our lives um, just sit down and talk with someone anymore that we know face to face without distraction, without your cell phone um, giving you a million notifications and alerts while you have that conversation, um, without your children tugging at you, without the TV in the background. Um, So I think there's something to that moment. We close those doors and you're in a quiet space that doesn't belong to anyone who's in that conversation. It's just a neutral space um, to have that conversation. And um, so we notice um, sometimes we call it, when, when we're finished with an interview, um, we also take some photographs to add to our archive of people who have told their story. And sometimes we, people get nervous, oh, what, what will I look like? But you kind of have an interview glow about you that's, that comes from just having had this great 40 minutes of, of openness and communication and not having to worry about the world outside and just think about the person that you're there with. Let's hear, uh, this is a uh, clip that uh, StoryCorps sent us. They sent us some clips that are related to Utah. This is Jean Thackeray from Logan, who's talking here with her daughter-in-law, Susan. Let's hear this. During the war, most of the men were gone. And so there was a lot of need for people to come and thin the sugar beets and to cultivate the potatoes. So they brought the German soldiers in from Tree Mountain, Utah, and they had guards with them. And when they brought them in, why I had a role that my dad gave me I had to do, but it was way away from the soldiers. And I would weed and they would weed. And then one night, when they were all through, I was still out in the field, and one of the soldiers was crying. And I went up and to the guard and I says, what's wrong? And he said he has a little Bible that he brought from Germany, and he's had it with him all his life, and he's lost it somewhere in that field, and he's heartbroken over it. 
And I stayed until I found the soldier's Bible in the field because I knew which rolls he was working on. And I found it, and when he came back the next day, I gave it to him. He was so thankful, and of course he wanted to give me a hug, but he couldn't. And so he asked the guard if he had a nickel. And the guard gave him a nickel, and he went back and carved out of that nickel a special little necklace for me and brought it back to me the next day. He'd left the band of the nickel all the way around, but he had carved a little hole in the top, and it looked like it was a half moon. And then I put it on my necklace. I've never heard that story before. Haven't you? No. You'll have to show that to me. Mm-hmm. I will. That's Jean Thackeray from Logan uh, talking to her daughter-in-law, Susan, there. David, I say you hear at the end, Susan says, I'd never heard that story before. This is an opportunity for, for Jean Thackeray to tell that. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there are two things that, you know, that happen that, that you can kind of be sure of with every StoryCorps interview. One is that no matter how well you know the person who you're um, talking to, you're going to find out things you didn't know before. And uh, that, that's one. And the other thing is that, you, you, you know, you never, ever regret having these conversations. There was, uh, I know you have to get going here pretty soon, David, I say, but uh, there, there's an initiative I hadn't been aware of. Uh, I went to uh, StoryCorps.org, the main website. There's something called the Memory Loss Initiative. I wonder if you talk yeah. briefly about that. And it seems like this is what the whole project is about, because these memories will be lost for all of us if we, if we don't record them. But what about sure. the memory well, loss initiative? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, so the, we've done a bunch of, um, we've done about 10 special initiatives, big special initiatives since StoryCorps launched. You know, our first one was with families who lost a loved one on September 11th. They come in to leave a record of that person's life. We have an African-American initiative, which is the largest collection now of African-American voices ever gathered. And we've done some health-related initiatives as well. Now, the Memory Loss Initiative, yes, um, all of the um, StoryCorps stories are about listening and, and, you know, collecting memories and stories for future generations. That initiative is specifically about uh, for people who have... um, who have Alzheimer's disease, families who have a loved one with Alzheimer's, uh, especially um, in, the, in the early stages, to come in and, and have a conversation and, uh, and get some of those uh, memories um, uh, recorded um, and honor that person who is being interviewed uh, uh, by, by listening to them and giving them a chance to have kind of ownership over their stories and, and their memories and, and their lives and thank them for who they are. So, so that's, you know, that, that's an initiative we have. If you go on storycorps.org, you can hear many stories with families who have Alzheimer's, and it's a wonderful use of StoryCorps. We also have something uh, now called Legacy, which is for families who have a loved one who's facing very serious illness or in hospice. Um, so, you know, one of the, the great things about StoryCorps is that, you know, there, there's, it, it, no matter how you cut it, every group uh, of people, no matter what, what, they're, what, what they're facing, what their issue is, that, that there's, you know, there's something really powerful about having the chance to speak and be listened to and tell your story and leave a record. So that's, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so excited and devoted to StoryCorps and feel like, you know, we're really just at the very, very, very beginning of this effort, which we hope will someday touch the lives of every American family and become part of the fabric of this country. We have a very, very long way to go. And, you know, we're grateful to um, to the listeners of Utah Public Radio and, and to you and, 
and you know the public radio family and people across the country who are really at the very beginning of what we hope will someday become kind of a movement of listening. We'll leave it there with David Isay. I think he has to get going here. Founder of StoryCorps. And uh, today, coming up 10 o'clock, just about uh, 45 minutes away, uh, reservations open for the uh, StoryCorps booth in Vernal, which will be in Vernal at the Uinta County Library uh, through the month of uh, July. Uh, So you can go to our website, upr.org, right on the front page there. uh, Click on the StoryCorps button and uh, click through, and you can make your reservation. Hope that you will. David Isay, Thank you so much for joining us. Tom, we'll talk to you again soon. And Emily, have a great trip to Utah. Thanks, Dave. Okay, bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's take a brief break. When we come back, we'll have more with Emily Jansen, mobile booth manager for StoryCorps. And uh, we're talking about StoryCorps on the first day for reservations for the Vernal visit of uh, StoryCorps. Uh, Coming up at 10 o'clock, you can reserve your uh, 40 minutes with your loved one or friend in the StoryCorps booth in Vernal. And uh, these usually go fast, so we hope that you'll be ready and, uh, and get in there immediately. Go to our website, upr.org. Right on the front page, there's a StoryCorps uh, button. Uh, coming up, we'll hear a story of uh, Papsi Lemus from Salt Lake City, who tells her daughter Griselda about going off to war in Iraq. We'll talk with a a woman in St. George who was a recipient of a Habitat for Humanity home and a uh, fireman who, to honor those who uh, died in September 11, 2001, runs Ironmans in full firefighter gear. We'll hear their stories and talk with them uh, following the break. On the next Humankind. When I first started, I think I had my neighbors and friends running away from me because... (laughs) I was assailing them with the stories of what I was seeing. Kathleen DeChera tells how her concerns about hunger blossomed into a food bank that last year fed more than 900,000 people. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. Thursday night at 8.30 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater in Logan. Presents The Man of La Mancha, the exploits of Don Quixote, as he mounts his quest for chivalry and honor. Starring Michael Ballam with full orchestra. Details at utahfestival.org. Talking about StoryCorps on the program today on the occasion of today being the opening of reservations for the StoryCorps visit to Vernal. Utah Public Radio is once again hosting StoryCorps. We did this uh, just a year or two ago in St. George and a few years ago in Logan. We uh, love having StoryCorps come to town. And uh, Yona Basin, this is your opportunity now to uh, record your story in the StoryCorps booth. Uh, All of these uh, stories are preserved they are uh, preserved at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. You get a CD to share, and you get to sit down and talk for 40 minutes with a friend or family member and uh, preserve uh, your story. We have with us uh, Emily Jansen, mobile booth manager for uh, StoryCorps. Emily uh, Jansen, how did you get involved with StoryCorps? Oh, my goodness. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, originally, way back in the beginning of our mobile tour, um, back in 2005, 
um, I got connected with StoryCorps back then. I actually came from um, coming from work that was very much uh, working in directly in the community. I did a lot of work with homeless youth and adults, and so my sort of draw and uh, path into StoryCorps had to really do with seeing the power of what happens when people are given the space um, to talk about their lives in their own voices um, and really to feel listened to and heard. Feel listened to. That's, I think, something that's missing a lot of times in our, in our lives. Yeah, for, definitely. And that's what Dave was talking about earlier um, that that process of sitting in the StoryCorps booth, um, a lot of times people think about it, about stories, and do I have a story to tell? Um, and uh, often, you know, what I say is, you know, all of our lives that we're living are our stories. Um, and it's just as important in that StoryCorps booth that someone is is telling their story and talking about something, but without someone across the table listening to them and asking questions, um, it kind of goes nowhere. So StoryCorps really is about um, about that listening piece that, that we are hearing and taking that time. Let's hear another story. This is from uh, StoryCorps. This is uh, Pepsi uh, Lamus from Salt Lake City. She's uh, talking to her daughter, Griselda. How did you feel when you left? Um, worried. I didn't know if I was ever going to see you guys again. And it was hard because when you guys got sick, I wasn't able to come home, tuck you in at night, and sing you your lullabies or read you a bedtime story like we used to. Did you see any kids there? Yes. It was kind of overwhelming because all the little kids in the town ran to the street and start waving at us, and it reminded me of you guys. Did you shoot anyone or kill anyone while you were there in the war? No, I never shot my rifle while I was in Iraq. How did you feel when I was away? I felt really sad, and Dad, he had to try to be the mom and the dad mostly, but he couldn't all the time, so he always had to have me be the mom a lot. Is there a time when you were afraid? Yeah, I was afraid... I was afraid on uh, mostly on your birthdays because I thought that what if you died on your own birthday and I would never see you again. And it was just hard. Was it? Yeah. How did uh, you feel when you got home? It didn't sink in that I was actually home. You know, am I dreaming? Is it happening? And... All I can think is, are they going to remember me and love me, or are they going to hold it against me for leaving them? And then you guys just ran up to me and said, I love you, Mom, and welcome home. I missed you. I started crying, and and that's when it got me. That's Sergeant Papsi Lemus uh, talking with her daughter Griselda about going off to war uh, in in Iraq. Emily Johnson, that, Jensen, that's <laughs> that's wonderful. And and you you get, as David Isay said earlier, you get a real feeling for the person through the voice. You feel like I know uh, Papsi Lemus and her daughter Griselda a little bit from that interview. Yeah, exactly. And when you listen back later, um, if you came and and recorded in the booth with someone you know. Um, Yeah, sometimes it's just that in 10 years, in 15 years, or a month from now, that you can listen not even so much to 
the content of what we're saying, what was the story, but you always then have the sound of your laughter or the way that you tell a story or um, the little quirks in your speech patterns. Um, and that's, we really treasure that. I have also participated in StoryCorps many times, and, um, and that's what I treasure about those conversations I have with my family. Hmm. Yeah, you can, just the rhythm of that conversation, you can, you can, learn something about the relationship of mother and daughter and, and the love there. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, do you have people who uh, uh, are kind of dragged in by their friends or loved ones saying that I, I don't really have that much to say? Uh, yes, definitely. Sometimes I joke that, um, you know, sometimes a pair comes in and, and everyone knows about StoryCorps and loves it already and wants to do it. Sometimes it's one person who has, has been listening to StoryCorps, knows about it and really wants, um, to have this conversation, and someone else where this is something completely new for, the kind of the friend or the partner who's along for the ride and up for the adventure of it. Um, but we do often, people, people do say, I don't have a story. Um, and I just can't say enough that, um, that we all do. We, we think in terms of grandiose stories of um, big drama, but, um, but it is all of these very simple things in our lives, our own dramas. Um, we're all kind of struggling through and making our way in this world and loving the people we love and having our triumphs um, and our challenges, um, those, those highs and lows in our lives. And, um, and I encourage people to come and share those um, and talk about them with the people that they love. Because all of those together, um, when we stitch those together in our archive at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress, together all of those stories are telling this larger story of who we are and what's important to us. A, a big mosaic. Yeah, that's a, it's an inspiring uh, visual image. Uh, we're talking with Emily Jansen, mobile booth manager with the StoryCorps. And uh, Emily Jensen, you're you're coming with the booth to to Vernal. I am. Yes, we'll be there Great. soon. We're very excited. Well, uh, Vernal's my hometown. Very proud of Vernal. So, um, you know, welcome to Utah. And welcome to Vernal when you come. Um, do, do you get a sense of Do you get a sense of a place? I think a lot of a lot of the times the stories are universal, but uh, you know, you come to a place like Vernal. Uh, what, having been there through July, leaving, will you have a sense of, uh, of the culture of a place through the stories that are told? Most definitely. It's interesting. Someone asked us that um, pretty recently. Like, do we still have a sense of um, of local place and regionalism in, in the United States? And we're really lucky, those of us who are on the mobile tour and get to travel with the booth around the country, um, to see a lot of different spaces in the United States, uh, urban and rural, um, north, south, east, west. Um, and I think there, it's definitely true. We, you can hear something collectively um, in this collection of voices that we'll listen to while we're in Vernal. Um, you can hear the difference between, um, you know, something in the sound of people's voices and their stories when we were in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan um, versus Jackson, Mississippi, versus New Orleans, Louisiana. And so while we are all having these sort of universal stories, they're happening in this backdrop of the places that we come from and the histories of those places, um, and we're intersecting with those all the time. So as facilitators, we learn some of that history 
also of your region. Um, because people, even if they don't tell a story about it explicitly, um, names and places are coming up all the time. And so we're soaking in that history and learning more and more every day. We're talking with Emily Jansen, Mobile Booth Manager with StoryCorps. We're uh, celebrating StoryCorps on the program today. We, uh, Utah Public Radio, brought in the StoryCorps booth a couple of times, one in Logan, one in St. George. Uh, and uh, StoryCorps is coming to Vernal. That'll be happening through the month of July. And if you're going to be in the Vernal area, we hope that you will uh, get a reservation, get in the booth with a loved one or family member, um, and, uh, and tell your story. And the reservations will uh, be live in a half an hour, 10 o'clock. You can uh, go to our website, upr.org. That's upr.org. Click on the StoryCorps link, and uh, you can make reservations by telephone or online. Uh, just go to the drop-down menu, which you get the reservation page, and uh, select Vernal, and you can make a, a reservation. So, uh, Emily Jensen, I know we have just have you for a couple more minutes. Uh, take us through the process. Uh, if people are unfamiliar with what uh, what happens, what happens? Yeah, so um, if you make a reservation, which I just want to stress for everyone, is a f- completely free service. Um, so no cost to participate in StoryCorps. Um, but you would come to our booth. We'll be at the Uinta County Library. Um, with your interview partner, and a StoryCorps facilitator will be there to greet you and to walk you through your entire process of your interview. So that appointment is one hour long. Forty minutes of that is the recording time you have for your conversation. Um, And one of us will be in that room with you the whole time, taking care of sound and keeping track of time and all of those things. Um, And you just sit across the table from your partner, um, and you'll think about... uh, what you'd like to get out of that 40 minutes and what kinds of questions you'd like to ask your partner. Um, And you'll do that. We'll take some photographs for our archive, and then you can decide um, to share your story with our archive at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. Um, And that whole process will just take about an hour. Uh, So, yeah, it's a great opportunity. We hope people in the Vernal area will take advantage of it. And reservations will be uh, going live uh, in half an hour, 10 o'clock. Uh, go to upr.org and uh, click on the link there. Uh, so I wonder, uh, some people will not be able to get to Vernal. Um, so can you, I, I get uh, on the storycore.org site, you have some suggestions for how to record your family member or friend's uh, story just uh, in your home, I guess. Yes, we would definitely recommend um we have an app right now that you can download to your phone, um, or the StoryCorps app, if you just search that on your, your mobile store, or you can go to storycorps.me. Um, and that's just a way, it's a new app that we're developing. We're sort of in the, in the introductory process, so we love people to use it and help give us feedback. But it's very easy to use, and it allows you to walk through the process in your own home and record with someone that you love um, and also be able to share that um, with the community of, of folks who are also um, recording those stories at home as well. And just It's it, kind of nice. It takes you through. It's very simple. Choose someone to interview. Pick questions. And uh, then when you're finished, uh, share your share your interview. And I guess today with iPhones and such, pretty easy to record somebody. It is. It is. And we just really, like I said, if you can, we hope that folks can make it out um, to our booth in Vernal. But if not, um, it's sitting down and talking to someone you love. Um, it's just worth it. 
Well, Emma Jansen, uh, mobile booth manager for StoryCorps, will be in Vernal through its stay in uh, in July, through the month of July. And we're talking about StoryCorps today on the program, uh, trying to gin up some interest, quite frankly, and celebrating this uh, wonderful initiative, StoryCorps, which is recording the stories of our lives. Uh, if you go into the StoryCorps booth, uh, you record a 40-minute conversation with a loved one that is archived at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. You get a CD to share as well. And uh, we're weaving a mosaic of uh, all of our, our stories. David Isay, the founder who was on with us earlier, said uh, his goal is to have everybody record their story. So we're we're doing our part. StoryCorps booth will be in Vernal in July, and reservations go live at 10 o'clock and I hope that you will uh, make a reservation. You go to our website, upr.org. Click on the link there to make your reservation. Emily Jansen, uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with a couple of uh, good folks who recorded their stories when StoryCorps was in St. George just a couple of years ago. We'll be talking later in the program with Robert Verhelst, who uh, is a fireman. He runs Ironmans in full firefighter gear to honor September 11th. And following a break, we'll be talking with uh, Sonia Gelter, who uh, received a Habitat for Humanity home. We'll hear her story from the booth and then talk with her live following the break. What happens when you take an evocative piece for full orchestra and subtract the entire string section? The music is very much the same, but altogether different. We'll hear the U.S. Marine Band play an arrangement of the Spanish Rhapsody by Maurice Ravel on the next Performance Today from APM. Thursday morning at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. StoryCorps' mission is to provide people of all backgrounds and beliefs with the opportunity to record, share, and preserve the stories of our lives. And since 2003, they've collected and archived more than 50,000 interviews with more than 100,000 participants. You have an opportunity to record your story in the uh, traveling booth uh, in Vernal. The uh, StoryCorps booth will be in Vernal, next to the Uinta County Library there, through the month of July. And uh, we are talking about this today on the occasion of reservations for uh, spots in Vernal going live at 10 o'clock, about 25 minutes from now. And uh, we encourage you to go to our website, upr.org, upr.org. Click on the link. And depending on your browser, you might have to click a couple of links or it might take you directly there. But uh, once you get there, there's a drop-down menu, select Vernal. And uh, you can reserve your spot. Spots go fast, so hope you'll get right on that at uh, 10 o'clock. And uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with Robert Verhelst. He's a fireman, runs Ironman um, races in his full firefighter gear. As a token of remembrance for September 11th, he recorded his story at the mobile booth in St. George when we were in in, uh, St. George with the StoryCorps. And uh, we bring in now uh, Sonia Gelter. Uh, Welcome to the program. Thank you. So you recorded your story at the uh, the mobile booth there in St. George. What was the experience like? I did. It was it was kind of neat. They just welcomed us in and uh, gave us a little booth, and and we did some questions and answers. And it was it was very easy. It was um, it was a great experience. Really, um, I got a lot of feedback. A lot of people heard it, and it was it was fantastic. 
Let's hear this. This is an excerpt. Of course, it's a 40-minute interview. By the way, starting in September of this year, you'll be hearing stories for the next year from the uh, the booth in Vernal. And we did the same thing for a year, the stories uh, in St. George. And one of those was uh, Sonia Gelter's story. Let's hear this. I'm Lil Barron, age 53. My relationship to Sonia is I'm from Habitat for Humanity, and she is one of our homeowners. My name is Sonia Gelter. I am 46 years old. So, Sonia, I want to know about your story with Habitat, starting from before you became a homeowner. Before I became a homeowner, I was, well, I was just getting divorced, and I had five children. We were on our way to losing a home, and I needed to move. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a place to go, and I had these five tiny kids. My twins were a year and a half, but literally, my credit was good. I had everything that I needed. I was just a single mom with five kids and no one wanted to rent to me. Um, I had six hours before I was out of the house and nowhere to go. And my friend absolutely came in on a white horse and I got into an apartment. This apartment, right outside on our sidewalk, we had a gang beating and the man was killed right outside on within 10 feet of our door. It was just, it was a miserable place. Then I ended up getting out of that and going into a home that was big enough for my kids in a a neighborhood, but the home was in unbelievable shape. Like the whole basement, the wires, there was no ceiling in the basement. Um, The upstairs was just a stove, a wood-burning stove, which is fine, but it was only upstairs and heat rises and my kids downstairs were, you know, we had to get space heaters and stuff and that cost more money. I ended up hearing an advertisement for Habitat for Humanity and I thought, I am not going to have someone hand me a home. I heard it one more time on my way home after I just picked up my twins from daycare and I heard this one more time and it just kept pulling at me, just kept going here. I finally put away my pride and called, and they explained a little bit to me, and they told me that I would work for my home and that you have good credit for this home and that you, you know, it's not a freebie, it's just a 0% loan. Put an application in, but all my kids knew that we had done this, and it it was Christmas Eve, and I got a letter in the mail from Habitat, and I didn't open it. And until Christmas morning, and I had my kids gathered around me, and I said, here we go. We're going to open this. When we opened that letter, literally, we were all in a circle jumping around in the kitchen and thinking, oh, it's ours. It's going to be our home, and we don't have to move. That year, we had moved four times, and my kids went to four different schools. And the stability that a home would provide us would <clears throat> was just exciting and it was just a blessing for us. It only took three, three months to build the home, but a couple of years um, until it was being built. And we worked hard, 250 hours. Um, my kids actually came and cleaned up after the workers, and, and we swept. The home has served for much more than just our home. About four years ago, my mother had a stroke. Consequently, they ended up losing their home. And so they came to live with me because I was the one with the stable home. Um, We ended up building a ramp and doing some things to the home that my mother could go in and out of easily. She lived there for almost two years, and then she passed away in my home. Um, And it was my sanctuary. 
and I'm so thankful to have it. So do you think that Habitat for Humanity only helps the family? Not just the family. It, it helps, literally, it helps the whole community if they get involved. Generation after generation will be affected by my home, by just getting a home. It just it affects everyone, I believe. So that is uh, a portion of the interview of uh, Sonia Gelter. She was uh, interviewed by Lil Baron <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, was talking right there uh, about her Habitat for Humanity uh, home. Sonia Gelter recorded her story in St. George just a couple of years ago. That's uh, Sonia. That's a that's a powerful story, and uh, just the the reverberations of uh, it's a fairly simple act, right? Um, offering a home, but that's that's going to affect you and your children. And it affected your, your mother, your parents? It did. It did. It actually, my sister and her two children have lived with me. It, it's It's been an amazing, amazing experience to have this home. So, How, how long have you had the home? Um, 11 years. It was just mm-hmm. June 4th. It was 11 years. Yeah. So your, your children are 11 years older, obviously. You're, <laughs> they're growing up. <laughs> yes. Actually, my son and daughter. I actually have uh, three grandchildren and one on the way, and, you know, my two oldest are married, and my third child just graduated from college, and then I, my twins just graduated from high school, so. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I think we don't think about this uh, much. If, if we're not in this situation, that if you don't have a stable home, that's uh, going to really affect the, the kids, moving school to school, school to school. And, and, and Right. It was, it was difficult, yes, from the schools especially because they just get to know people and they would move. It, it's a rough thing. Stability is everything in a child's life, I believe. And and it was incredible to get this home so mm-hmm. I could provide them with that. So what has that done for your children then, now 11 years later? Well, it's provided them the, the chance to stay in the school that they loved and, you know, keep the friends, keep the, you know, all the people around them. Um, are the same. They don't have to <laughs> make new friends all the time, and and um, just a, a stable environment. I mean, mm-hmm. and then we don't have to. You know, they're not sure what. You know, next are we going to get? Are they going to sell the home that we're renting? Are they? You know, all of those questions that the the kids had all the time, they were answered by a new home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we don't think sometimes that the, the kids will have those questions or worries, but maybe they yeah. don't, don't articulate them. So what uh, what does it mean to record your story, and maybe what, what does it mean for the kids too? Oh, it was it was incredible. We actually got another magazine. Um, the editor of another magazine heard the story, and she had a big write up, and and they got to be in that and <clears throat> got to. Uh, give their opinions and, and their thoughts on Habitat and how it, you know, affected them. And so other people would, you know, they would get people saying, oh, my gosh, you, you know. Sometimes it wasn't the most exciting thing for them because they, you know, people have a misconception about Habitat, thinking that it's a handed, you know, a home that's handed to them. A lot of people think that. And so anyway, so they had to explain. And it was it really is good for them to to do that and be involved in the community as well because Habitat's not just a home. It's it's like you in, you get involved in other homes, you get involved in other people's lives that have these homes. And so they 
um, get to see that and get to help others build and get to help other families and go, hey, it's going to be okay. Mm. So it's it's really is more than just a home. It's it's a community effort. So it's done. It's been really fantastic. They've learned more about you know giving and and uh, and receiving. Receiving sometimes the hardest, and that was for me. So um, anyway, it was it's an amazing experience actually. So so how did you get uh, how did you get to the uh, how did you learn about this? Did did uh, Little Baron invite you to go? Did did uh... To, to record your story at the StoryCorps booth? What, how does that happen? StoryCorps, yeah. Lil called me, and she asked me, she says, hey, we just, you know, they were talking about Habitat, I guess, and, and she says, I want you to, you know, record your story because, I mean, literally, we were homeless. We had six hours before we were out of the house, and I had nowhere else to go. And, I mean, you know, we, uh, we were literally homeless. And anyway... And so that kind of kind of threw us into the mode of oh, I don't care, you know, no pride. Here we go. We got to do something. And so anyway, it was kind of a it was a story that she really wanted told, and and I that's how I heard about it. Was Will called me and said, Hey, can you go and record your story? So we did, and I had never I really had never heard of them before, and it, it's really cool. They were telling us while we were waiting for the other person to get out of the booth, they were telling us how how the story has affected other people, and it was really it was really neat. Hmm. And, of course, you get a CD, and you, your story is at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress, so it's, right. it's, right. it's recorded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, wonderful. Um, we've been talking with Sonia Gelter, who recorded her story in the St. George uh, StoryCorps booth, at StoryCorps booth when it was in St. George. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, and you have an opportunity if you're in the Vernal area to record your story. Uh, the StoryCorps booth is coming to Vernal through the month of July, and reservations are going live in 15 minutes, 10 o'clock. Uh, just go to our website, upr.org, upr.org, click on the StoryCorps link, and uh, you'll be able to make a reservation. Depending on your browser, you might have to make a couple of clicks, but once you get to the, uh, the reservation page, click the drop-down menu and choose Vernal. You can do it uh, online, or they have a, a phone number there as, as well that uh, you can use to make your reservation. And they uh, do tell us that reservations go quickly. So today's the day, starting at 10 o'clock. UPR.org is the uh, place to go. And we're talking about StoryCorps. It's a wonderful project. It's been going on for now 12 years. We talked earlier in the program with Dave Isay, founder of the uh, StoryCorps project. His goal is to have every American record their story. He also said uh, that uh, he hopes that uh, we, you know we we send these uh, um, I guess emissaries uh, st- space capsules out into space. He said appropriately that uh, StoryCorps these interviews would be a good introduction to other civilizations, which uh, which I think is is a great idea. And uh, we'd love to get your story recorded. StoryCorps booth in Vernal through the month of July. Go to upr.org to. Uh, to make your reservation, and reservations go live at 10 o'clock uh, today. Uh, so we are uh, going to go uh, very soon here to Robert Verhelst, uh, who recorded his story in the St. George uh, booth. Um, he is a fireman. I believe we have him on the line now. Uh, Robert Verhelst, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? 
You are definitely okay. So you're a you're a fireman. Yes, sir. And uh, <laughs> interesting thing about you, you run well. Ironman is tough enough. This is you know this is tougher than marathon. You, you add to a marathon, you add you know swimming and, and cycling. Uh, but you do it in firefighter gear, fifty pounds worth. That's yes, sir. I do uh, the run portion of every race I've done in uh, full firefighter gear. So let's hear uh, a portion of your interview in St. George. This is Robert Verhelst uh, speaking in the StoryCorps booth uh, when it was in uh, St. George. We'll hear this next, and then we'll talk more with, with Robert Verhelst. Hi, my name is Nicole Molly. I am 38 years old, and uh, here in St. George, Utah, I'm here with my fiancé, Robert Verhelst. And I'm Robert Verhelst, otherwise known as Fireman Rob. I am 35 years old and in St. George, getting ready for Half Ironman St. George. So, Rob, tell everybody first why we're here today. Today we're uh, coming, uh, it's the start of the 2013 Mission of Inspiration. I do full Ironman and half Ironman with the run portion and full firefighter gear, weighing 50 pounds for the whole run portion. Let's go back to how this all started. What made you do the very first race, and what gave you the idea to do it in gear? Back in 2011, Ironman Wisconsin landed on the 10th anniversary of September 11th, and I had done eight days of search and recovery um, at September 11th. I got there two days after the Trade Towers had been hit. 9-11 is one of those uh, topics, and far removed from it now, but at the same point, it's in the forefront of everything that I do it took a lot of years to be able to overcome what I had seen there and what I had done. I think the biggest thing that I that I took away from that was to live each day. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day. Being a part of that, in essence, recovery effort was amazing because there was no... It didn't matter who you were. When you were on that site, you were an American. You were there for the purpose of rebuilding what had been taken from us. And to me, that is the greatest gift that I have received from that is is how amazing people can be when they need to help their fellow man. It translates into everything that I do here. I worked eight days of search and recovery on the pile. I mean, a lot of those days were 20-hour days, but you don't realize they're 20 hours until after the fact. Um, you just continue to go and go and go because that's what those other people did. They didn't get a chance to see the next sunrise. They didn't get a chance to have another birthday. You do. Take advantage of that. Make sure that every single day is important when you wake up to when you go to bed. 9-11 really reshaped my life and reshaped how I approach things. And as much negative that came from it, uh, the positives that came from it for helping people to realize how amazing we can be and what we can develop, you have to take that. And subsequently, I wanted to make that an important moment in my life. So I came up with the idea of honoring those who had fallen, making that point that our country came together as a whole on that day. And so I decided to do it in gear. Um, what made you decide to make a whole year of it? The response that I received from that individual event was amazing. It, I wanted to carry that on. When you get this ins inspiration and you start to motivate others to be better. You want to keep that going. And I, I thought in 2012, you know what, I'm going to try to do this again. 
every single event, it's amazing to see the individuals. I get to talk to the greatest people because everybody that does these races has a story. And I get to hear these stories. What are some of your favorite stories? Was there was an elderly couple that was near the finish line. And they were sitting out in their lawn chairs. And the gentlemen out there, every time I went by, they were clapping and cheering. When I came back around to go to the finish line, I went over onto the lawn, shook their hands, gave his wife a hug. And he said, I told my wife that we wouldn't leave the, our seats until you got to the finish line. And he was a veteran firefighter of 35 years who had retired. It's that kind of emotional connection that I, I've made throughout this journey with just regular people, with kids, with endurance athletes, with so many different individuals. And I, it's a great feeling to have. What does St. George mean to you? Why did you decide to come back again after the experience last year? It was that moment that I actually figured out what I was doing. You should never really have a true finish line because you always want to keep going. I finished at 1 a.m. with the fire department, fire truck leading the way, the police department behind us. Just an amazing, amazing experience in, in the life to have that and to be able to touch those people in that kind of way. People are so defined on making grand schemes. To make a difference in this world, they feel like they have to make a grand gesture. No, to make a difference in this world, you just have to inspire one person. So there is a portion of the conversation recorded in 2013 in St. George at the StoryCorps booth there. That's Fireman Rob, Robert Verhelst. I love what you said there. Uh, we shouldn't have a finish line. That's correct. You know what? Life is about enjoying every single moment, and we don't know what it brings. Challenges come and challenges go, but it's always about what we are about and what our passion is and following that passion anywhere, any which way it goes. And I think everybody in life has a passion. They just don't take the time to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about the, the connection. You probably had more than one, uh, you know, stories. You, t you told the story about the couple near the finish line. Um, but uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons you do this. You want to connect with people. You, um, that's why you run these in, in full firefighter gear. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole purpose behind a lot of what I'm doing is to inspire others to be part of something bigger. You know, whether it's uh, running their fastest race or finding what their passion is or, you know, really accomplishing something that will define them. And I hear so many great stories and a lot of the stories I don't hear. And that's one of the things I always talk about is, is, is living an able life. And what able means is it's action-based living and being engaged in every moment. And the way I live my life and the way I do these competitions is that I don't always receive the information back as to how it's changed people's lives, but I don't do it for the information back or for the praise or anything like that. I do it because this is how I want to live. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm about. I'm about following my passion. And if somebody takes it and changes their life, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the biggest part about what I'm doing now. Well, uh, give us an update. This is two years later now since we, uh, you know, ran your story and, and you uh, recorded your, your story. What's uh, what's the latest with you? Oh, a lot of things. <laughs> uh, I get the motivational speaker around the world. I have a foundation called the Fireman Rob Foundation where we deliver uh, teddy bears, uh, GUND, G-U-N-D, UNESCO teddy bears, to children's hospitals all over the world to put a smile on a child's face when they, they're most in need. Uh, and then this year, kind of something special, I'm going after the world record for the most, most number of Ironman 70.3s in one year. 
And the record is held by somebody who did it in triathlon gear. I'm doing every single race with full firefighter gear, 50 pounds, for the run portion. I'm 11 through, and I only have 12 to go. Well, <laughs> 11 down, 12 to go. <laughs> I get yes, tired. <laughs> I get tired thinking about that. You you got to be in great shape. Um, but that's yeah, you know I I call it functional fitness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? You went to the booth two years ago with your fiance Nicole. Yes. Things things are, good there. We are married. We are okay. Yep. Yep. I, I was hoping you'd so, say that. I, yeah. I hesitated to bring it up in case you'd broken up. That'd be that'd be a bummer. But uh, okay, so you, you're oh, married and, <laughs> and on your way. Okay, so, great. Yeah. yeah, doing good. Everybody's. Uh, you know, we have three kids, uh, eight, ten, and twelve, and they're very active and keep us uh, keep us active. <laughs> what about? Uh, tell us about your experience recording your story. What did What did that mean to you? Uh, it means so much. Uh, you know, definitely uh, being in- engaged my my now wife. It was amazing to have that opportunity to take that moment and have something that's going to be, uh, you know, archived. And also we got a copy, and so it's kind of cool to listen back as to how this started because um, it's so important to remember where you came from and how things started to actually move forward. And, you know, the Story Corp was it was just an amazing opportunity. My parents did it as well, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have one time in your life to sit down a quiet atmosphere, it's uh, a personal atmosphere, and you get to tell your life story. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's it's an amazing opportunity. We'll uh, end it there. We're out, out of time, but uh, you go to an Ironman, you probably see Fireman Robin, and you can't miss him. He's the one running in in full uh, fireman gear, and he he's uh, doing motivational speeches as as well. Sounds like a, a, a great life. Uh, good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, Fireman Rob uh, recorded his story at the uh, StoryCorps booth in St. George. You have an opportunity in Vernal now. The uh, StoryCorps booth will be at the Una County Library uh, through the month of July. And at 10 o'clock, just a couple of minutes away, uh, reservations go live, and those go fast. So hope that you'll uh, get in there and get your reservation. Uh, you can go to our website, upr.org, upr.org. Click on the StoryCorps link and uh, you can get a reservation. And we had a call from uh, Margaret in Vernal who uh, made a very good point. Uh, she said, I don't have access to a computer. Can you do it by phone? The answer is yes. I'll give out the number here uh, for Margaret's sake and others in her situation. 1-800-850-4406. That's 1-800-850-4406. If you have a question on that, you could call our number just the regular toll-free number that you probably have memorized, uh, 1-800-826-1495, and we can get you that number. The number, again, is 1-800-850-4406. Margaret, hope you do get an appointment there. Love to hear your story. And you can go to our website, upr.org, and uh, click on the StoryCorps link. Reservations for the Vernal StoryCorps through the month of July go live in just a couple of minutes here. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Access Utah. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Shakespeare Festival, featuring Charlie's Aunt, in addition to seminars, tours, and more as part of the festival experience. Information at bard.org. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. Conserving electricity can both help the environment as well as your electricity bill. Changing your habits can help reduce the amount of electricity you use. Embrace natural lighting. 
Open up your blinds and curtains to allow sunlight. Turn off the lights. As you leave a room, make sure to double check that all the lights are turned off. Use candles or low-lighted lamps. Use less hot water. Heating water takes up more energy than cold or warm water. Use ceiling fans instead of an air conditioner. Wash laundry in cold water instead of warm water. The average home pollutes more than a small car, so by following these simple guidelines, you can help save money and keep the air and water clean. This is Nicole Jackson from the Be Well program at Utah State University. Remember to live well, work well, and be well.